0: We who are about to die, salute you! too late to turn back is it <laughs> no we're good let's rock oh, baby it's a, uh, it's episode 21 of moratory mondays here and uh oh um it's gonna be a little different um we lost our beloved creative team and we are uh, joined by all new folks well not all new folks but uh I guess, new folks where you, where it's most noticeable. Um, yes. This is the first issue of the James Hudnall run. And uh, if we're not mistaken, he will be uh, the writer for the remainder of this series, plus the five-part Electric Undertow uh, prestige format miniseries. So we got a whole lot of Hudnall going on for the next I foreseeable future.
1: Mr. Hudnall should have at least read The first 20 issues, I think that would have been key I think to writing mm. the, the
0: last arc <laughs> yeah, You'd almost think so You'd almost mm. think so But uh, we'll find out in a little bit Just how, oh, how well educated Mr. Hudnall was on all things Moratory <laughs> uh, As we get into uh, this brave New era Of the program um, Going to be different in tone uh, <laughs> I don't think we're going to be quite as peppy and optimistic as we have been for the past 20 episodes this is uh something altogether different but before we get into that we got something to pitch you we as we've been doing since uh what about three or four episodes now we've been pitching the strike force moratory property in different formats we've looked at a video game we've looked at a soap opera we've looked at all sorts of stuff that we might be able to shoehorn strike force moratory into and uh this week is no different. Uh, why don't you tell them what we're uh, what we're putting what square peg we're putting in a round hole this week? Oh, it's time for
1: Pitch Force Moretto. Yes, and this week we uh we take strike force in a direction you never thought you'd see coming. This time it's strike force moratorium, the wrestling pay-per-view. That's right. You knew it was only a matter of time before we hit up and went to to uh our wrestling uh toolbox, but we did it then. This week so we, we got re- Tito
0: Santana w- and Rick Martel
1: Maybe on the uh, maybe on the B show. Oh, okay, we, we got okay. we got all A team Strike, Strike Force, Force team. players. Yes, okay. that's right. <laughs> well done, sir. <laughs> this week we reimagined our Strike Force moratory uh crew as a wrestling organization and what a pay per view should look like under these characters. So the show was gonna center around a new upcoming government run wrestling promotion mm-hmm. called Strike Force Entertainment. S-F-E instead of S-F-A, which I toyed with, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll dodge that bullet. Anyway, this was, fun- <laughs> this was funded by Tulema Entertainment, and the uh, brand commissioner is Beth Louise Neon, and she has a hot new mainstream promotion with all new undiscovered recruits. Now, Tulema Entertainment has given Beth Neon and her team one year to become profitable and, uh, and even given the company their own historic arena, It's a name that you may have heard before and familiar with both moratory fans and wrestling fans. And their arena is going to be called The Garden. How about that? Why don't you run down some of
0: our performers, Christopher? Certainly, certainly. Let's meet some of our main eventers here. We have Viking. There's a young uh, darling of the independent circuit, Harold Everson. He's a uh, white meat babyface who was uh, amazed at the indie scene and finally made his way to the big show here at Strikeforce Wrestling. He's uh, 210 pounds. He's a cruiserweight, and he's taken the company by storm about a year ago. When uh, And then he was lured to uh, Japan, New Padilla Wrestling. Uh, he won their championship, and he also achieved plenty of independent fame, and he returns to SFE. However, his spot may already have been filled, so uh, it's up to him to prove himself all over again. uh, Is this his dog spot, his liver spot? (laughs) What spot is this?
1: This is his spot, brother, and it's been (laughs) taken over by backhand Greg Mattingly, who renamed himself Viking Neo. Now, Greg Mattingly, as you might know, was uh, Harold's clone in the comic books, Hmm. basically. His is Hollywood equivalent. But this Hollywood star, now turned professional wrestler, has literally turned himself into his favorite on-screen celebrity wrestler, Viking. With almost an uncanny likeness to the original Viking, Viking Neo took the place of the original Viking when he left the company for Japan. He now claims stake to the name and the spot. This high flyer is like the single white female <laughs> type of craziness about him. And he's uh, he's done everything to uh, to raise the ire of one Viking.
0: Mm-hmm. We got the Horde. We got a faction here. This is a three-man invasion unit that took Monday Night Moratory by storm, literally taking over the show out of nowhere, and they dismantled the set and the uh, also took out the world champion in their wake. Now, their leader, Thundercrush, and the Hordean Raiders have their eyes on stealing all the gold in SFE.
1: Now, that's not the only faction because, of course, we cannot be Strike Force Moratorium unless we have the Black Watch. I know everybody's favorite. Wait, Chris, are you awake? <laughs> hello, hello. Well, this is the original Strike Force, enter- uh, Strike Force Wrestling Entertainment Wrestling faction, and they are managed by Lady Sobrero. Now, their members include Leonard, Rogers, Higashi, and Green. They have been the standard bearer for wrestling in the company. They're four technicians who have blazed a trail for all others inside the promotion.
0: Mm. Diamonds are forever but maybe not the black watch (laughs) Uh, Marathon He's a super heavyweight He's a fan favorite uh, Basically the face of the company Uh, He won the championship in quick and decisive fashion Two years ago Uh, And since then the monster's gone undefeated Until the Horde Hits the SFV They made their first target the champion And they put him out of commission for months He's back and he's got revenge in his eyes And he is gunning to get his championship Back
1: We move into some ladies' divisions. So we have Dominika Brava, the jacked-up wonder in the female division, and probably the most dominant competitor on the entire roster, and has actually yet to lose a match. Now, she's also managed by this Soviet mastermind, Yuri. Now, Brava has yet to be seriously challenged in her division. That is, until she
0: meets snapdragon a fiery fan favorite with an incredible gymnastics background she's a high flyer who can hit you from all corners her best friend is blackthorn and her love interest is viking but she was swayed by viking neo and has been seen by his side in recent months so the question is whose side is the dragon on
1: wait a minute
0: what a what a jezebel (laughs)
1: we move into uh our good old sheer now (laughs) sheer this will come as no surprise he's a parkour enthusiast imagine that with a mean streak and disciples to match now uh, we've always said he's little like uh, mr seth rollins so this moratory messiah has cut a trail all the way through the roster and has ambitions of being next in line for that championship he's also a career-long enemy of the former world champion, Radiant, Mr. Louis Armanetti. Mm
0: -hmm. Let's meet him. He is a fan favorite, as you mentioned, a former world champion with a huge ethnic following. He's a seasoned veteran who continually battles to keep his spot. He's hardened to backstage politics, and uh, over the last month of his contract, uh, he's reportedly verbally signed an agreement to leave the company and join up with New Padilla Wrestling after this Mm -hmm. final run. Now, he uh, uses pyro and gimmicked flash paper tricks as part of his entrance routine, and uh, at one time he was a huge merchandise seller, and at this point, however, he sees his star quickly fading because of all this new competition. Mm. we've got some women's tag team action we got analyze
1: and eliminate a and e adept and silencer these are two tough as nails ivy league graduates who dissect their competition by studying tapes of their opponents technically savvy they're a technically savvy tag team who are one step ahead of the game before the match even begins
0: Mm -hmm. now now now, we got our matches yes
1: all right here what's this what does this pay-per-view look like
0: Let's see. We, of course, have Viking versus Backhand, also known as Viking Neo. Now, this is set up as a best of three falls, so two will win it. Uh, The setup is Viking, the original, returns stateside after a brief absence from SFE, and he finds someone stealing not only his spot, but basically the the entire Megillah here. His gimmick, his entrance, his routine, his look. His um, woman. (laughs) his, His woman as well. Now the original harold of course he returns to set the record straight and he reveals that there and to reveal that there is only one true viking now this match has uh, to be decided not in one quick fall but as mentioned the as a best of 3
1: yes sir then inside a steel cage we have marathon former heavyweight champion taking on thundercrush so we have the, actually, no, Marathon is the champion So Strike Force, mm. World, Strike Force World Championship is on the line here uh, As Marathon returns from injury Following a hideous Hordian attack by Thundercrush and the Hordian boys Which cost him his heavyweight championship After months of rehab, the big man is ready to survive a cage war for all the marbles As these two super heavyweights collide in the main event
0: What's so- on the undercard, brother? But but first, though, if Marathon punches Thundercrush in the chin, is he disqualified?
1: Oh, that may be. You mm. never know. Because that's, you, cause you that's gotta,
0: a low blow of some sort. You talk about pulling your belt high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we hop over to the undercard here. We got a, a women's match here. We have Brava with Yuri uh, versus Snapdragon with Blackthorn. Now, we set this one up. The dominant woman's champion, uh, the Bucksix freak of nature, uh, Dominica Brava. Uh, continues her undefeated streak against our fiery uh, upstart number one contender, Snapdragon. That's going to be a bloody war as the dragon attempts to get revenge on Brava, who mercilessly injured her best friend Blackthorn on last week's SFE Monday Night Moratory.
1: The World Tag Team Championship also on the line as the Hordian Raiders take on the Blackwatch. Of course they do. The dominant mm-hmm. tag team champions, the Blackwatch, defend against the Hordian Raiders in their biggest challenge to date. With the Hordian Raiders storming the ranks of SFE, this monstrous duo have their sights set on tag team gold. By attacking the champs and injuring them, and ending the career of original Black Watch member Woodrow Green on last Monday Night Moratory, the Watch has countered with a brand new member, Rogers, filling in to defend the gold.
0: Mm. We got Shear versus Radiant in a last man standing match. Now this blood feud has reached a boiling point, and the Moratory Messiah and his followers, Hardcase and Deguchi, have, ev- yeah, have done everything in their power to take Radiant out. However, Louis survived Shear's tandem onslaught by blinding them right with his flash paper several weeks ago on Monday Night Note Moratory. And now the Messiah and his followers have the rule book thrown out the window for a match where only one man can walk away. And uh, you know, I, I, I see radiant. I see Hardcase and Deguchi, and they all have some beautiful facial hair. So I, 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 don't, I wonder <laughs> if there's any cahoots uh, at play here.
1: It could be a new Mustache Mountain. It who could knows? be. The <laughs> real Mustache Mountain, yeah. And we're going to open this show with A&E, Analyze and Eliminate, Adapt and Silencer, they take on Toxic, the team of Toxin and Scaredy Cats, who are the women's tag team champions. These bad girls, Toxin and Scaredy Cat, cross the line by by uh, wrongly spraying A&E's locker room with Graffiti. On <laughs> flattering graffiti at that, enraging mm-hmm. the challengers who now swear they have studied this team and will not only take their tag team titles but will also silence these loudmouths once and for all. That's our pay per view, mm-hmm. folks. That's Pitch Force Moratorium. All done for another week. Mm-hmm. Now, sadly, we have to talk about this criminal, criminal <sighs> issue. Strike Force Moratorium Number Twenty
0: One. Should we just book another month of uh, of the <laughs> wrestling show? Uh, I mean, this is. Oof! Yeah, twenty nine ninety nine. Call your cable locker operator uh, right now. Uh. Okay, okay, okay. Strike Force Moratorium Number Twenty One, September nineteen eighty eight cover date. Uh, last one was a uh, was a uh, was it a July nineteen eighty eight cover date? So we did miss August. Uh, the story is called The Earth Is Red, written by James D. Hudnell, pencils by Hugh Thomas. Uh, H Remember U that name, W, folks. yeah. Uh, it's not like Hugh, like Hugh Grant. It's H U W. I've never seen it spelled that way before, but that's his name. Uh, Inks, Tony Dizuniga. Letters, Phil Felix, a familiar name. Colors, Max Sheil, another familiar name. Edits, uh, it says Carl Potts, but I'm thinking nobody. Um, <laughs> they missed it. Edit- <laughs> right? Editor in chief Tom DeFalco We did have a price hike. You know, because uh, we are getting more, we're getting even more quality this month. So uh, <laughs> they know they got to back this one up. It's a, uh, it's a dollar twenty five USD, a buck seventy five Canadians. Ouch. But uh, but th- in the UK they're still paying fifty p's. So uh, they don't have a, they don't have the uh, the crunch like we had it over here. I feel
1: uh, this is only worth fifty cents.
0: I think that might be a uh, a bit on the uh, <laughs> a bit on the uh, optimistic side. Uh. This had a release date of May 3rd, 1988. And it's funny, these uh these like a third-third of the run here. This third-third of the Strikeforce Moratory run, despite being what they are, they're some of the like, the, the least seen in the uh, in the cheapo bins by me. I, I'll That's see true. a smattering of the first 15, first 20. But once we get into these, it's very seldom. I'll see a lot of Electric Undertow. But uh, <laughs> I, think,
1: I, I, I honestly think that the print runs on these must have been incredibly low they had to be yeah. because I mean, I mean they went direct distribution so i mean yeah
0: chances yeah. are
1: they did not have uh you know mass quantities printed shipping out to your pharmacies drug stores and all the other fun spots and grocery stores
0: so almost definitely yeah yep. and, and we'll be talking about the change in format for the uh mm-hmm. like the guts of this book as we as we move along here because this is a very different looking book as well. Um, it's uh, just totally different format from what we had last week and, uh, you know, the 19 weeks before that. But uh, let's start with our cover. Now, this cover was drawn by Mike Mignola, which uh, I'm, uh, you know, I, I like him in, in yep. some of the stuff he does. Uh, this isn't a good cover, um, but I'm thinking this is probably the only thing about this show we're going to get any engagement on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I figure people are gonna People are gonna tweet at Mike McNola That they loved his Strike Force moratorium work but, uh, Oh boy uh, but, Listen, uh,
1: okay, okay, to be fair uh, Mike McNola's art is, is definitely different, you know, he's got his own Stylistic approach stylized, sure. Very, very heavy on the shading Very, um you know attention detail like in regards to like trying to make things realistic is definitely not what he does so you know no. he's got an abstract look to his work and very divisive a lot of comic fans i remember seeing his art as a kid and i was you know i was horrified i mean here i was used to george perez and you know jose luis gar you know yeah. jose you know luis garcia lopez i mean you know th- those are my guys and mike zack and all these people i was just used to to that style of, of artwork sure. and then and to see that it was jarring.
0: You're like, whoa, hold the phone. Very here. different. Yeah, very, very different. Um and it looks like they're uh looks like they're abusing their uh <laughs> their their computers for this one.
1: They're... Oh man. <laughs> so this cover. I mean obviously it's the sign of things to come. This cover yeah. is Ba- when I say basic computer design elements, I think that's putting it uh putting it very, very lightly. Yeah. But I mean let's let's break down the cover here. So I mean the cover features number one, zero moratory recruits. So zero. there's zero. Not, not one to be found. So in the foreground, so the, just a picture of it. So in the in the foreground you have a Pydia trooper and he's holding up his hand as the, you know, a Hordian army uh, you know, a regular standard Hordean army, which we won't mm-hmm. see inside this book, you know, no. we're commencing a bottom. And, you know, one of his friends is already dead inside him, you know, dead at his feet. So, you know, th- this poor guy's backed into a corner and he's frightened that the, the Horde is on the way. That's the setup for the cover. Now, <laughs> if you had to break down the cover, they're clearly getting into the digital age here. So the, someone's yeah. using a computer here because the foreground Padilla trooper that's in the corner Looks like he's just copy and pasted and literally just splashed in because you see digital coloring, the texture is different, it looks broken from the rest of the page. Mm-hmm. And the Hordians, I mean, they're traditional Hordians, they're not even the one that's in the book. So not only do yeah. we not have any moratory, we have someone who they cut and paste copy, you know, Padaya Trooper. We have Hordians that are not in this book. And, you know... You can tell that, you know, that Magnolia had no idea what this book was really going to be about. I mean, they just told him here, here's what we're looking for a cover. Just draw this. He had no idea what to go on. So gotta if, be right. Yeah, I, I will say this. Uh, his his and his um, hoard are really good, actually. To be quite sure. honest with you, he does a good job of that. So yeah. there you go. But this and cover he, is uh, is trash.
0: Yeah, and I mean the horde and uh, the everything outside of the foreground looks like solid color. You know, like the horde, they've got pink skin, very solid color. In the foreground though, like the, the helmet of this Padilla Soldier is all gradient. You know, oh, yeah. it's it's uh it's very it feels like almost collage. Um and it's it yeah, it's not something I mean if you're trying to usher in a new like a new take on a property, um you probably want to do it with something a little bit more bombastic than this. Uh, so what, this... what would
1: you do? I know what I would do. <laughs> i tell you what. So here's <laughs> here's the Chris Bailey version of what issue 21 should have been. It should have been, yes, you get it. All the moratory recruits jumping mm-hmm. at you or running towards the screen. That's right. A whole That's new it. era.
0: For sure. For sure, yeah. And there's no sign that this is a, like a jumping on point. There's no... Like, a total this missed is a opportunity. This
1: point, Chris. That's <laughs> why. Well, you're doing a great just, job of it.
0: <laughs> it might just be. But yeah, they, there's really nothing about this cover that tells you that that you're in for something new, a new take, a new direction. It's just, you know, very samey cover. Um, But how about we open the cover here and uh, no, see what's... no, don't do it. I know, I know. Now, the inside front cover, it's worth noting doesn't have an ad on it. It actually has the credits on it. Um, I like that. I like that yeah. idea.
1: That was that was fun.
0: A lot of the uh a lot of Marvel books were doing this at this point. I know Alpha Flight did it um because that's that was like the other book that was in reach cuz I was trying to find like bullpen bulletins from this era. So I had to pull a <laughs> Alpha Flight out and it has the same sort of thing where the inside front cover is your credits and your Indicia and just a like a wasted half page with a logo. So that's that um but inside you know we open with a pretty crazy battle scene which features our strike force team taking on the horde so it looks kind of like business as usual though the art is very very ugly
1: Oh, boy. They got this strange use of red coloring on the characters and gray shading. So Mm -hmm. it's a combination. All the panels are, you know, red and cast. And they have, like, a gray shading on backgrounds. It's a very unappealing way to start the book, if you ask me. Oh, yeah. Even the the way the characters look, the base character look, like, the way they move and the way they act is, like, in no way we've ever seen them before. And I mean not in a good way either. I mean, the art panels that actually look decent are... I think, in my opinion, they look like they're ripped off other comic panels and repurposed <laughs> this it book. I mean, it goes—it's such a contrast because you get like this clear, beautiful image of a character, and then all of a sudden you get this incredibly sketchy, almost <laughs> abstract, five-grade-five yeah. type of panel. It's—it's it's really off-putting. So I mean, you know, there's something really off here. Now we get to see Hardcase up front, and he looks evil all of a sudden, and it to mm-hmm. me. It looks like a swipe panel from Doctor Strange. And, you know, they even <laughs> have Shear. Yeah, they show Shear using his powers. Now, his powers used to be he used to have to put his hand on you and it would, you know, slice and dice. You know what I mean? Here, he doesn't put his hands on anything. And it's just he's shooting almost like projectile blades. Like, where did that come from? Is this? It's it's like Archangel's
0: like uh, wing daggers. It, yes, it, it exactly. looks very weird. It's either it's... that or he's like maybe he's into Reiki or something. Like with oh. those massages where they don't touch you. Uh, two,
1: listen, man, two pages in, this is some god awful stuff here, man.
0: It's not <laughs> good at all. It's not good at all. Um, now, it's like, you see, we had this gimmick going on over the past several months uh, where, you know, the, the moratory would be introduced by using their powers in tandem. You know, we, and we even like joked about it because it was just such a, an overused trope at this point. This is kind of like that, but kind of not because. They're not working together, but nope. they are like they are displaying their powers. They are showing yep. a, a potential new reader who was clubbed over the head with a glass bottle and, and wandered into a comic shop and bought this um, to show them what they can do. So uh, it's it doesn't really jive with what came before it, but it is showing what they do. Um
1: it's really yeah. odd because, like you said, they're they're all individually fighting. There's no yeah. tandem offense here. You know, one is not setting up the other's powers. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, to me, that's the first painfully obvious sign that this creative team missed a memo or two – or even maybe the first, you know, 20 issues maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but just, just take a look at those opening panels. I've included them here. I mean, you have yeah, – you've got Dr. Strange up there, you know, using his hardening powers. you got Brava, really, really sketchy Brava, lifting a rock, which looks ridiculous in the background. Then she's swinging. And when I say swinging, it's almost like uh, in wrestling when you do the – The uh, giant swing. The giant swing to yep. a board. And then at the bottom of the panel, you've got sheer. And he's just got his hands pointed out, like, you know, the the Egyptian thing. And he's just mm-hmm. shooting little sheer daggers
0: at people. Yeah. It's, it's crap. <laughs> it, it is. But th- but then we find out why these, these panels have been colored the way they have. Because it's revealed that these first couple of pages, this adventure that we're watching the Strike Force on, is just a video comic mm-hmm. being played on a Panasonic PL2000SL device.
1: <laughs> so i'm glad i didn't get one of those so, brother.
0: so does that mean that everything we've read over the past 20 issues was just a comic book
1: i would have found this person and killed them <laughs> 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 so i'll tell you but man they would have killed digital comics dead if someone saw this idea at the time i mean uh, ba- this is the basic idea of motion comics before it was even Main a thing Mastodon. so i mean <laughs> yes yes <laughs> potentially worse in red and gray <laughs> but i mean remember back in the other issues when they would bring you know another artist in to do comic portions of the series you know They're they like tried. Charged... Yeah. yes they brought in Wills Pertasio, mr wetworks himself um you know to help out brend anderson to give him a different vibe so you know here we have something that's supposed to be you know, different. It's like a video comic, but yet they didn't bring anybody in. I guess that budget's gone.
0: <laughs> must be, yeah. They they just asked uh, poor Max Shield to. It's like leave leave all your other crayons at home. <laughs> you just <laughs> need pink and blue for this one here. But uh, really interesting fake out right now though, it because was. we get the we get the uh, if you if you haven't read on, you might think that the past twenty issues were all a comic Oof. at this point. Which is pretty interesting stuff, um, and definitely a strange little line in the sand for Hudnell to draw. It's a, it's weird. It's 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 a little clever. It's a little infuriating, but it it's it's there. Um, but we do see, you know, some Padilla goofball watching his video comic. Uh, he's sitting outside of interrogation room number twelve. So we, uh, now we head inside interrogation room number 12, where we see a man uh, with a very poorly fitting suit. And uh, he is interviewing a man who is he, he's wearing a diaper. <laughs> Remember when
1: I said that panels were swiped? I, wa- I want you to take a look at that panel. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, in the background, we have a gentleman who's behind the, uh, the man who's doing the interrogation, yes. who is clearly Tombstone from Spider-Man. just Yes, read on. 100%. In the foreground is Spider-Man's hands just carefully cut off right at the very right moment, even cut off his <laughs> finger. And then you have what the artist literally drew himself, which was the ill-fitted suit man there puffing on his uh, poorly purposed smoke. But, I mean, oh, that is so definitely cool. – uh, that's definitely stolen from uh, a Sal Busima Spider-Man comic right there, I guarantee you. <laughs> but anyway, the be, man, the, the man in the poorly fitted suit is some of the worst illustrations in comics I've ever seen. I mean – Remember, someone was paid to draw this and it actually passed editorial. I mean, if Jim Shooter was here and he saw this, he would have fired that guy right on the spot of release, moved him to the photo statting department, you know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's not good at all. Um, And and he's got like these scales. He's got scales on it. It's, oh, it's so, it's, it's
1: rotten. I mean, when you look at an artist's work, you know that he's not like not properly trained when the images are all He's not ready. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is facing, you know what I mean? There's no dimension to his work. So no all your poses. Yeah. yeah. All. Yeah. There's no perspective in his work. Everything is front on. Everything is side on very jagged static mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's no sense of movement or realistic None. body contortion. It's just bad. And that yeah. dialogue, oh, the dialogue is super chinchy, man. And it I is. just, I just wanted to stop reading there, but alas, I must not, sir. No, it is our I duty keep going.
0: to continue. It is our duty to continue. Yes. The, uh, the dialogue is very, uh, like, tough guy, kind of, but also, like, you know, just dickhead, kind of. It's, it's not good. Um, now, the man in the diaper, we learned, his name is Jason Edwards. And our interviewer, I don't know if he gets a name in this issue, but is he, he is just a Padilla interrogator, um, who, in between blowing puffs of cigarette smoke into Mr. Diaper Man's face... Uh, is accusing him of being in cahoots with the horde
1: oh man i love how the guy you know the guy's just sitting in a diaper the entire time
0: the whole time
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's a panel just down from this where the artist is you know he's clearly someone who 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 loves economy when it comes to his art because he actually reuses the exact same pose in three separate panels and like literally <laughs> dresses him so Consequently <laughs> This is just just painful to watch It It is so funny Someone needs to go buy my Strike Force moratorium And take a look at this It's a disaster It is
0: something else here Now uh, Yeah, he is accusing uh, Mr. Uh, Edwards Of being in coots with the Horde But as is often the case It's not quite so cut and dry uh, He invites Jason to tell his story And so he does Jason was once a Padilla soldier who, one year ago, was dispatched into battle with the Horde. Now, while they're trucking their way into the war zone, he wondered if uh, they might catch a glimpse of the Moratory during the battle, to which he is lambasted by his superior that the Moratory ain't important. Um, I mean, what's the name of this book? I don't know. Uh, Now, what's important is that these soldiers, these Padilla army... Kill as many Hordians as possible And we're about to find out just how good Or bad they are at such a task um, And so The soldiers are sent into the streets oh, Which leads us To our opening splash
1: page And brother, uh-huh. this one needs to be Studied because it is everything <laughs> Wrong of how to do a splash page And I mean it's everything bad. wrong Yeah. First of all, the character designs Are just terrible They are very static They're Picture drawing like stick figures in an exercise book when you were going to uh going to high school. That's mm-hmm. literally j- just one step above that. I mean, you have so just to visualize the image, you have, you know, uh, some of the Pydia troopers. They're jumping off a ship. Um, you know, they see this entire scene around them. You got people dead all over the place, and the place is in ruin So that's that's what to picture. Mm-hmm. But now. Dead or litter of the ground, and they look. Even the people on the ground, they look artificial. Like look the, they look like dolls. They look like mannequins. Yeah. Yes. The use of space is just all over the place. There's like tons of unused panel, mm-hmm. and the sky is actually covered bright yellow.
0: <laughs> yellow. <laughs> and like not even like they didn't even use their their Photoshop machine here to like oh. give it a gradient. It is just flat yellow sky
1: buildings i mean they have buildings that you know occupy some pieces, background yeah yeah Oy. but uh, but i mean they're they just look like coloring coloring book style outlines there's no they detail do. they're just flat ba- like basic basic you got the uh, soldiers they're in their landing ship and what looks like they stole it from like a v transport ship from the tv show or something so <laughs> maybe he put the uh put the show on pause while he drew over that i don't know But the soldiers, you see them running from the ship, and they're all posed, like, really strangely, and they're out of sync with the panel. Like, they have bricks all over the place, and they're cartoonishly spray-painted with stupid sayings like, Death! And then, then in one of the funniest panels, uh, (laughs) there's just this dude that's just behind the wall. I mean, who draws like this? I mean... And also, also, what's even funnier is that the name of the issue is "The Earth is Red," yet the entire background is like yellow. Like, oh my God, shoot me here! Oh,
0: and this we're gonna have to include pictures of this dude um, because <laughs> it, it just looks like he's yodeling in the background. <laughs> it's and like it, it is. It's really, really bad here. And to like add insult to injury here, there's a poster that uh, Brent Anderson had drawn uh, for I think was the cover of issue. Maybe like nine or ten or eleven. It was basically a Hordian, uh with uh, with a, a slogan that says, "This is your enemy." He's got a swastika button in his nose. Oh yeah. And yeah. Uh, it, it was a it was a, an amazing cover uh, because it looked like it looked like real true propaganda, and that is just laying in this pile of humanity here, just to add insult to injury of what we used to have. <laughs> yet yet another stolen image. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because I don't think this dude drew that.
1: This is what you used to have he's saying And he's taking (laughs) a piss
0: Yes but I'm here now Uh, (laughs) Boy are you ever So uh, the Padilla army They're let out of their ship And they look like they have about as much uh, Movement to them as those army men That you'd get in the tubs (laughs) That's Um, exactly what they are (laughs) Oh it's so bad They get their asses kicked right away Um, Edwards is with a guy named Sedeno who is almost immediately shot full of holes by some Hordean snipers, like a panel later. Like, they are actually on this mission for one panel, and this dude is just perforated. Um, Edwards, uh, our diaper man, he rushes under some cover, and uh, he gets another soldier by the name of Collins on the radio. Collins is like, hey, be cool, we're on our way. But they lose contact, and then all of a sudden, Collins's severed head bounces through the scene. It's like, doink, doink, doink. Um, before long, Edwards realizes that he is, in fact, the last man standing.
1: And if you're really picking apart details in the background, and if you're following it around and, you know, reading along with us, you'll notice some of the background details. So he's actually standing in Domino's Pizza. Yes. <laughs> you, you You see the Domino's Pizza sign in the corner. So mm-hmm. they're obviously in, another, they're in a restaurant district, because as the men pass by all the shops, there's another one just called Fries. I, I don't know about you, but have you had... Fries before Chris? <laughs> I don't know. I wonder what they sell there. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I, I'm, mm. I'm I'm I have a sneaking suspicion they sell fries. I don't
0: know what what it makes might me think be that. Be to something. Now the horde starts to zero in, and so Jason freaks out, takes off his clothes, and steals the clothes off of a dead civilian to try to get <laughs> away. Now think about
1: this. You take a look at the clothes the poor guy what? wears. <laughs> I mean who did he steal the clothes from did he steal them from sinbad or kid and play I mean these are some loud clothes like big <laughs> high colored shirts like red t-shirts like large like red and blue blinding clothes like you talking oh, about trying to fit in he just made himself like super target number one here with this get up
0: He's got, like, his pants are definitely too legit to quit, for sure. (laughs) Um, Now, uh, it it goes without saying, he is unsuccessful in his attempt to flee. Um, We jump back to the interrogation room, so we're back in the present. And uh, the ill-fitted suit man uh, accuses the diaper man of cutting a deal with the Horde in exchange for his life. Jason then assures the interrogator that that just wasn't the case at all. And so his story continues. We're back in flashback land. Jason Edwards is abducted by the Horde, loaded onto a UFO, and delivered to the Mothership. Oh, and the Motherships, they, they,
1: they've they given this up at like an issue ago. So the Motherships are back to being just flying saucers. Yeah. So they've abandoned any sense of, like, specific Hordean craft at all. They're now basic, very typical Alien invader ships, you know what I mean? We mm-hmm. had that uh, double size issue where they showed some of the hordian craft and they were a mixture armada, of different, yeah. yeah, different style armada ships. But these are as basic as close encounters as you're going to get, so we'll see that pop up a yeah. little bit more.
0: Oh, for sure, yeah, they're very, very uh, just generic. Um, so our man is loaded into uh, into the UFO, and he's taken to the uh, mothership, and he finds that he is not alone. There are many human captives present, and uh, at this point, the Horde takes the opportunity to give them all the lay of the land. You know, they're going to lay out the rules for these people, which is to say they take a young child and forcibly remove its head, like literally yank it clean off its shoulders. Um, wow. It's uh, it's pretty bad. Uh, while on the subject of bed, the redesign on the horde is horrible. Oh boy!
1: Okay, so if you have seen the horde, they were ridiculous enough as they were. So the you know large muscular alien uh, beings who had like large two sacks of testicles on the side of their face. Mm-hmm. Right now, they have almost like a uh, almost like a Saturday morning cartoon look. They're bright pink. They look like a villain out of like Biker mics from Mars or something, and all of a sudden they have cat whiskers. They do. It's total.
0: This is a total disaster all the way around. I. Oh. Yeah, it's it's almost like they were crossbred with those cats from the cats issue or something. It's <sighs> it's just not. It, it's really not good. I mean, even like even like the nose, it, it looks like a like a like a like a dog snout. You know, like a, it's not not good, not good. Um, and now of course the inter-
1: they're they're there's they are front on there's no dimension
0: they're like yeah. straight on <laughs> Yeah because we do get a few panels where it is kind of sideways and you can tell because those are the ones with absolutely no background Um <laughs> like the one where like the, like when when our our man gets his uh his kid in play get up there is like a <laughs> like a diagonal shot here but there's nothing else it's just him it's nope. uh, not good Um so we have our interrogator Back in the present, he asks again if this is where Jason cut a deal with the Horde, because he is very, very one-dimensional. He wants his answers, and he will not stop until he gets them. But Jason's story must continue. Now, he's been put to work on the mothership. He's basically on janitorial duty. And uh, we see him wiping down what uh, we can begrudgingly call Horde technology, I guess, Um, while he gazes through a giant window at the Earth. Oh man. Oh. Speaker
1: Now, I want to say something. I, I, th- this is after cuff but uh, I did my share of janitorial work, brother, growing up. I guarantee mm-hmm. you one of my first jobs was mall maintenance slash security. And, buddy, it was all maintenance.
0: <laughs> so <laughs>
1: I clean washrooms like nobody's business. I scrub toilets. I scrub tile, wash floors. And I got to tell you about one time. So I used to waste a lot of time. So, you know, mm-hmm. I would try to get everything done in the first hour of my shift. And I mean everything. Whatever cleaning had to be done, whatever I could bang out, I did it. Or waited until sure. the last of the night. You know what I mean? So it would be done. Anyway. This particular time, we had a bus tour coming through town. So while I was in my office watching wrestling, that's what I did (laughs) (laughs) normally—spend the entire day watching wrestling. But this was pre-YouTube, so I had a hidden VCR in the back. Uh, Anyway, I heard all these kids running by this this particular washroom, so I'm like, "Hmm, that's very interesting. You know, what are they going to do?" And they sounded like they were up to no good. So I waited (laughs) till everybody was clear, and I went in the washroom, and I'm like, "Hey." They really didn't do anything. There wasn't even a piece of paper towel on the floor. All the sinks were clean. I'm like, this is great. So anyway, I just took a peek around. Everything looked good. And as I headed back out the door, the smell hit me. And I'm like, whoa, what is that? So anyway, I opened up the first stall. Nothing. Opened up the second stall. Chris. Oh, boy. Somebody had not only defecated on the floor, Mm. possibly several times, but then they had taken their hands Oh, no. placed it placed it in the in the feces and begun drawing semicircles all over the walls of the stall uh, guess who had to clean that up oh boy you are listening to him right now and brother I puked several times trying to clean this up i smelled like crap for the rest of the day anyway i can appreciate what this man is going through having to do <laughs> jason's janitorial duties here but anyway as did he you said, ever
0: did you ever have to just like like wipe down a cube like a giant nondescript box
1: yes I, oh, i've done good, it okay good okay, I've, good. I've, okay. that's uh, what our I, man here is doing I've actually, I can sympathize with this guy, but but what's weird? You said that you know he's wiping down some horrid tech. Now the horrid tech, as you said, is is basically just a square box. I mean, there's nothing to it. What's funny is that this guy clearly has no idea what Horde Tech is, so he draws this window, and it's actually the cockpit window of the Millennium Falcon we're looking (laughs) at. I mean, obviously, the artist's frame of reference is just Star Wars and maybe Close Encounters, because he has no idea how to draw alien tech, so, you know, there's no crazy designs. And as you said, he's cleaning just a random box by a window. It's It's literally... uh, Who puts a box in front of a window, number one? And plus... (laughs) <laughs> who cleans in diapers? I, I, I'm I'm just done with this. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, he
0: is. He is still wearing a diaper. We we gotta let you know. He is wearing a diaper and still. And the only one wearing a <laughs> diaper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, <laughs> as he's wiping down this nondescript metal box, he is gazing at the earth, and he dreams of one day returning to his blue planet. Um, In between cleaning nondescript metal boxes, he takes any opportunity he can in order to learn whatever he can about the Horde language and their technology. So uh, you see him, you know, tinkering around with a little device, a little handheld device or something, which probably just says, like, yes, that's a, you know, metal box. Great. Uh, (laughs) But this goes on for about a year until one day the horde mothership is approached by a delivery craft i think it was uh, supposed to be bringing chocolate and porn or something like that that's exactly um, right but it's not really a delivery craft it's actually a ship that has been hijacked by our moratory the third geners plus ruth uh so basically our revelation that the past 20 issues weren't just a comic Ooh. so Ooh. we are safe folks um which, you know, credit words do. I think that was a neat little fake out because I had forgotten. <laughs> and when I was when I when I got to that page, I'm like, no, they didn't just do that. <laughs> but uh, we have we have uh, on the ship here. We have Shear. He is holding the pilot at well hand point because he you know he shears. Uh, he ensures that uh, this pilot doesn't give them away to the mothership, and they are eventually granted full access.
1: This is blatantly stolen from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> so near the end of Return of the Jedi, when the uh, when the team and the rebels go to Endor, Han, Luke, and Leia, of course, steal a shuttle. Now, it's an older one that has been deregistered, but it checks out. So they, they bypass, uh, you know, all the security. Hmm. Sound familiar? Because that's exactly what happens <laughs> here. It's so, almost like he was looking at the screen while he was drawing it. It's exactly like it.
0: I think you might be right here. Um now it's here we actually get to see our familiar faces in full color. Uh only under this uh new pencil you probably wouldn't recognize them anyway. Um uh U G L Y, they ain't got no alibi.
1: <laughs> no sir i mean ruth <laughs> in particular her her face is all over the place in oh, one I'll panel like she it. looks great like it looked like he was literally he must have had like a model or something or a book that he was looking at because you know facially it's one of the better times she's looked and then yeah. they move to another panel and she's all over the place and her hair my god the hair i mean that's yeah. one nasty ass like 80s perm or jerry curl depending on which panel you're looking at it's just so sure. all over the place so inconsistent
0: yeah, it's it's an inconsistency is uh, key uh, with the with the moratory design here because none of them are gonna look the same from panel to panel. It's uh it's really like you'd almost have to try to be this off model this often uh, <laughs> as as we get here. It's like I mean this this book you could tell me that there are 75 moratory in this book and I believe you because that that's how many different looks we have here. Um, now back to the story The moratorium, they plan uh, how they're going to infiltrate The uh, mothership once they're on board Which uh, actually turns out to be a complete waste of two pages Because uh, when they arrive The horde somehow ready for them And uh, and so they fight um, Now Jason Edwards, he has taken off cleaning duty And he's booted back into his holding cell With the rest of those humans And as mentioned, he is the only one wearing a diaper
1: Just think about it So you see the ship coming on and your first instinct is to get this one guy in a diaper back into a holding cell.
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like who, what is this? Am I like, Oh, the horror I'm forced to stop working. Oh my God. What the the (laughs) horror of it all. (laughs) And then he walks into a room and I guarantee you every single person in that room was going, look at a dude with
0: a diaper. Holy God. (laughs) I mean, I mean, we, we can't, we can't say it enough. He is the only person wearing a diaper. (laughs) And when we say diaper, we mean diaper. Full-on <laughs> sumo man diaper. <laughs> it is not good. So the Moratory, they are, you know, they're on, they're off the ship, uh, but they manage to hold their own against the Horde until one of the aliens fires some sort of swirly missile launcher gimmick thing that shakes directly the entire ship. Directly straightforward?
1: We, we, I, we yeah. think that it's swirly, but it's directly front-on, so it's hard to tell, but I think you're right.
0: It is, yeah. There's no sense of movement here. There's no sense of direction. We don't know what. Like, I didn't know if this was supposed to be like a gun that looked like noodles, or if this was, because like even like even the, God, it's like the uh, the the bullets of the ballistics, like they they've got like little X's on the tip of them. It's like I don't know if that was like an attempt at uh, at perspective. But it looks, oh yeah, oh
1: yeah, trying to show, show a point, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's but it looks like uh, it kind of looks like if you took one of the Metroids and put it on its side, but took all the detail out of it. It's <laughs> not good. Um, so okay, so they 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 shoot this swirly thing. It goes bar ba doom. Um, and Ruth is on the ground, and it looks like she might be dead. Only she's not. She's actually just playing Possum because the Hordians drag her away. They start to take her away and. She hits them with some toxins as they as they haul her off. Uh, we do stick with Ruth. She becomes our point of view character for the next little bit, and she discovers now she is shocked to see all these humans. She's shocked to see a man wearing a diaper, and uh, she is not quite sure what to do next because they weren't planning for this to be a rescue mission. They were just here to attack the horde. Uh, the horde command. Um, now this whole thing turns out to be a moot point because. A Hordian comes out of nowhere. He just jumps into the scene like, hello, and he decimates the cell with a grenade that goes Kadoom, another Kadoom. Um, and as luck or misluck would have it, all the humans minus Toxin and the Diaper Man die. <laughs> so it must have the diaper too. protecting his front junk. It that must have been. Him. It must <laughs> have been. So at this point, Jason... He picks up a Hordian machine gun and just starts blasting aliens, which is a sight to behold, a man in a diaper shooting (laughs) aliens. Um, (laughs) Ruth here reveals that she's twisted her ankle. And so it'll be up to Jason to help her get to safety as well. And he does. Uh, They hop down a hole to a lower level of the mothership, and they wind up reconnecting with Shear, who's just, like, leaning against a wall saying, hey, what's going on? Um, (laughs) And at this point, it's like I'm noticing that Shear Shear has had, like, like two dozen different hairstyles throughout this issue so far
1: (laughs) the art is so inconsistent it's not even funny
0: and this isn't even like this isn't even like just like his hair parted on the other side like he's got hair down to the middle of his back in one panel then he's got a mullet in the second panel then he has short hair in a third panel it's like i don't know what i i just don't know yeah not not
1: only that we even see Another great visual, so we see Jason. You know, he's holding on Ruth as she drops down through the hole, and clearly he's visually referencing, you know, figure skaters. As
0: you, know, oh yeah, hundred percent.
1: I mean, it is so obvious. I mean, he he should have just kept the skates on her. I mean, it was it's so clear <laughs> what he's doing here. I mean, which which doesn't make sense because now he's added a little bit of background detail. I mean, it's extremely basic and you know straightforward, but. There's man, th- this guy, is an incredibly bad artist. I, I, I don't mean to speak ill of him, but I mean I can't help it. It's terrible. It's,
0: it's, it's not good, and especially when it's, uh, when we're coming off of Brent Anderson. I mean it's, I mean those are huge shoes to fill, even if this was uh, more competent. Um, which it's. I don't not. think I don't think it's just a matter
1: of Anderson leaving the book. I think this <laughs> is, this is like a departure the likes of which you've never seen. Like it is
0: really, really bad. It's. Yes. <laughs> I was trying to soften the blow. <laughs> now, Jason he, he knows this place like the back of his hand. He's cleaned like every metal box on this ship for the past year. So he guides the moratory to the hordes horde of armored tanks that just so happen to be there and I guess they left the keys in the ignition because they hopped in.
1: And boy are they basic tanks.
0: Oh god, they're like, they're like cubes. It's <laughs> they're cubes maybe that's what those, that's yeah, it. maybe that's what those boxes were. Maybe those were tanks. Um so they, they they get in, right? Uh, and Jason, he, he, you know, he has been studying Hordean technology. so he uses the radar gimmick on the tank to deduce that the only living humans on board are him and the moratori. So there are no other captives, so they can actually just rescue the moratori and get out of there without any guilt on their conscience. So they go on a rescue mission and they uh, literally blast and crash their way through the mothership.
1: Which is 100% stolen once again from Return of the Jedi. So picture the scene on Endor (laughs) when Chewbacca saves the Rebels with the Scout Walker, complete with the same scene where Chewie pops up out of the top of the machine, just like Ruth does right here. And I mean, just like Ruth does. It is hilarious. So we've seen so far he's captured figure skating. Mm -hmm. He clearly has referenced some (laughs) models' faces to do Ruth in, you know two or three of the panels that he decides to dry her in hairstyles is one of those things. I guess he's just mixing and matching for sheer, yep. you know, I, I guess he can trim and grow his hair at will. I guess that's an unknown moratory power. It's a secondary but, uh, evolution. Yeah. But this guy's definitely
0: seen his return to Jedi. I guarantee you. That's what this is. <laughs> and Ruth popping her head out of the tank like Chewbacca. Now we have, a, now we have some excuse for her hair, I guess. <laughs> oh, indeed. <laughs> that's a silhouette. Yes. <laughs> now, now we, we learn here that uh, that the horde commander has already fled the scene. So really, for the moratorium, there's no point in sticking around any longer than they absolutely have to. So they rescue all of their teammates and they blast themselves out of the mothership via some tank ballistics. So basically, like they're bla- they blasted a wall and somehow instead of like the tank not moving, it blows backwards. So, despite them shooting, oh, okay. like, despite them shooting through every wall in this place, this time it sends them backwards. I don't know how that, I'm not, I, I, I never took physics. I don't know. Um, so, I've seen
1: enough alien movies to know that as soon as you blow the porthole, you're going out into space like down. a vacuum.
0: <laughs> yep now rather than floating in the vacuum of space they somehow managed to re-enter earth atmosphere so like was he just blasting like every few seconds like to like to get them onto like some sort of a course to to re-enter the atmosphere but that's what they do and they come crashing all the way down landing in greece and there they are met by the padilla army well ruth she remember she twisted her ankle so she was taken to i mean that's the that's the only casualty of this trip. She she twisted her <laughs> ankle. Uh, she is taken to Oak Leaves Hospital, which is a Padilla Institute joint. And uh, before she's wheeled in, she asked to, to maybe speak with her uh, diaper-clad beau here. Uh, they he's share, still in a
1: diaper, by the way.
0: He is still wearing a diaper. Yes, uh, he is. Ju- he's on Earth, wearing a diaper and socks. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, now. She has to speak with them, and they share a kiss, and they promise to, you know, maybe start a relationship. They're going to go out to dinner soon and uh, maybe get to know each other a little bit better. Well, not so fast, Ruth, because as she's wheeled in, she feels it. Mm. She's overcome with those familiar-to-readers-of-Moratori to hot flashes. Ugh. Knowing what's next, she pushes the orderlies away to safety— Shouts to Jason, the man in the diaper That she met 20 minutes ago That she loves him And Doom Succumbs uh, to the moratory process Thus The last of the freshmen Are now gone Man, they should have added Ruth's deaths to the last issue
1: But yeah. you know The death itself, how it occurred Is fine, but just how it was illustrated So poorly just took the sails out of this thing, it's 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 almost a sin. I feel bad for Ruth. She deserves a good artistic death, and boy, did she not get one.
0: No, she did not. This was not uh, this was not what it could have been for sure. Um,
1: there was no emotion. There was no none. resonance. There was just
0: kaboom, and that that's literally it. That's it. Now uh, we wrap up this issue. Back in the interrogation room, where the interrogator in the ill-fitted suit is now holding Jason Edwards at gunpoint. Now uh, he gives Jason two choices. He either dies right now, you know, uh, saying that he's guilty of desertion in the time of war.
1: Yeah. Well, just just one second before you move on to <laughs> <laughs> before you go on to uh, option number two. I just love how the uh, how this investigation is going. So the only <laughs> thing that the guy did was he got captured for one year. That's it. They found him. They interrogate him like he's a war criminal, like he's done committed all these crimes. All he's doing is sitting there shirtless in a diaper the entire time, and all he's getting done is being chastised, you know, interrogated and smoke-blown in his face, and now he only has two options. I mean, you talk about Mm -hmm. justice, social justice. Oh, my goodness.
0: No, sir. And tell him what
1: the second option is. So option one was he dies,
0: you know, uh, guilty of desertion in times Mm. of war, or... Or they find out that his uh, metabolism can support the moratory process. So you die now or you undergo the moratory process and die within one year. Ah, man. I mean, it's worth noting
1: that, like, at this point, I'm sure there's not many folks signing up. Clearly. No. I mean, this may be the only way to get recruits is to interrogate them and to force them <laughs> into these two options. You know what I mean? They're just waiting for people to screw up so they can just stick them a the program. You're going to jail or dying or become a moratory. That's your that's your deal.
0: <laughs> Those are your choices for sure. And
1: I mean, the public right now are obviously aware of you know the secret tra- tragedies behind the process. I mean, it's out in the open now, so it's not a yeah. secret.
0: So. It's true. It's true. And uh, now Jason, he laments that he had long dreamed of coming back to his blue planet, but that blue planet doesn't exist anymore because the Earth is red. Oh. So uh, I, I guess we can take it that he means that he'll he'll do it. He'll 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 he'll, he'll do option two. I guess <laughs>
1: <laughs> he doesn't. Or the Earth think. is actually yellow, but we're not going to talk about that.
0: No. 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 And uh, next issue, Target Earth. Wow. So yeah, we're 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 in the uh we're in a brave new age. Uh, how, do, how
1: do you like this issue? This book, when I say it and any of friends of mine know that this is my catchphrase, was a giant bag of yes. DI <laughs> phalluses.
0: Yeah, this was not Crap. good. Um I you know, I was hoping uh, that maybe we'd be able to pull some good out of this um, I mean the only thing that I that I can come away with was like Oh that was an interesting fake out in the beginning with the comic With the with the, with the digital comic or whatever But the more I think about it I'm not sure that was even what the intention was No um, That might have just been me being like Oh that could have been something But I, yep, I,
1: I think you read too much into there
0: I think I did I gave them too much damn credit And uh, because the rest of this issue is like a it's it's a it's a sack of hammers Falling down the stairs. It's uh <laughs> It is just Oh man, it is really, really ungood. Uh I mean this this book was two months in the in the uh in the offing because we did miss the August uh cover date. And this is what we I
1: mean Chris, it took this guy two months to yeah. draw this poorly. I mean imagine yeah. what he could have done with an extra month. <laughs>
0: We'd have gotten backgrounds on that kid in play scene
1: Oh so, so we had we had three things Happen here we got to see the moratorium action Yes we got to see a brand New moratorium obviously mm-hmm. you know This is his origin story and first appearance With Jason and mm-hmm. we also got to see The death of Ruth now all yep. that combined You think okay there's some meat and potatoes To this particular issue but Just the way it's presented it, it's, it's It's the bag of
0: hammers It is it really Is and uh like, you just don't know what they're planning here. Um, and it's funny, because, like, talking about it with you right now, I can see more things that I'm sort of interested in. But it shouldn't take a deep-dive analysis of a comic book to make it uh, more palatable. Uh, we no. should have been able to read this, get enough out of it to where it's like, okay, I, I guess I'm in. I can read the next issue. But like you saying a few moments ago about how there's probably nobody signing up and we're going to see a lot of weird coercion from the Padilla to try to uh, blackmail uh, new recruits. I mean, that's an interesting, that's an interesting idea and concept, but again, are we giving them too much credit?
1: Is is this just something
0: they lucked into or is this some sort of a far reaching uh, plan and arc that we're going to be following? Well,
1: at this point, I don't know. Would your first choice for a public hero that represents the government be a guy, who literally just came back from a year's worth of, you know, alien occupation mm-hmm. in a diaper? In a diaper?
0: <laughs> like in a diaper? And, and, but I can you're only just going to make him
1: a moratorium? Go here, defend our government. I mean,
0: oh, boy, oh, I can boy. only hope he always wears a diaper. I, I hope he. <laughs> ne- I'm glad we didn't get a changing scene. That's that's one thing that was good about this. But uh, I, I hope he's always in the diaper because it's just gonna it'll make it a little bit more interesting to read. Sadly, the diaper goes. It's a sin. Oh. <laughs> but, yeah, this was a – boy. Um, yeah, we, we still have a... – what's his face? We still have a Deguchi somewhere, right? I mean, yep. he's a big question mark. Um, we got our third Jenners, and now we have the first member of well, – well, we'll talk about the generations in a bit here, but I think – uh, the diaper man here is the first member of what we would call the fifth generation of moratory. Yep. Absolutely, and uh, it's you know a little behind the scenes here. You might have seen our cover art that we do for these uh, for these shows here, where uh, we manipulate a cover to say "Moratory Mondays" and we are about to talk. We went through basically the rest of the run to to make sure that everything was ready for when we're going to record and uh, so it's not like a big process trying to manipulate a cover and everything is set and uh, seeing some of these covers that we're going to be uh, that were the, for books we're going to be discussing in the coming weeks you wouldn't recognize it as the same book nope it is a completely completely different book on that
1: shelf man it's it, unrecognizable
0: yeah, it's true. It's true. Um, now, sometimes we read the solicit to the story before we read the story, but since this one was going to spoil the entire entire story, we're going to read it now. And this one says, When a soldier turned slave falls in love with the moratorium's toxin, which is misspelled as T-O-X-I-N, he may have no choice but to undergo the deadly moratory process himself, thereby ruining the cliffhanger ending of this issue.
1: Oh, my God. I mean, nobody even cares yeah. enough about this book to care about the spelling. And mm. you know what? They, they might have a point with this issue, Chris. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, this issue, um, we mentioned the formatting. The formatting is different uh, you know we don't have the ads are very sparse uh, instead of getting an ad on the inside front cover we get the credits there um, instead of getting ads throughout the book all the ads are at the back of the book so this is the you know the 20 odd pages of story are all in a row you know so it's like you're saving all your ads for the very end of the book um, there are also two pages of letters which we will get into right now and um, there was not a bullpen bulletins page in this, but we did get one from this month. So we'll get to that after the letters page. Now, our first letter comes to us from Eric in Puerto Rico. He wants a Strikeforce Moratory graphic novel. Oh, and he says he wants them to make it thick. That's, that's what he says. Make it thick. <laughs> like a uh, like hundred pages or so.
1: Oh, my God. Can you imagine 100 pages of this new art direction? It would be impossible. Can you imagine what page 99 and 100 would look like when this guy is actually out of gas? But I mean, honestly, I I would love nothing more than a Strikeforce moratory graphic novel. Of course, it would have to be under Anderson and Gillis. Outside of that, please spare us that tragedy.
0: Yeah, the assistant editor here, he suggests that if more people write in asking for one, Marvel will have no choice but to release one.
1: Oh, no worries then. There you go. That'll that'll happen.
0: (laughs) We got a letter from Garrett in Albany. And we're going to quote him here. He says, no, 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 no. Please, you can't let Peter and Brent leave Strikeforce. No. Which uh, is a pretty good way to open a letter, right? Um, (laughs) uh, Garrett cites other books Falling apart after their initial creative Team leaves and he specifies Alpha Flight and Omega Man Which we're going to guess he means Omega the Unknown Or maybe Um,
1: Omega Men from DC From DC perhaps
0: But Um, I I think if you're keeping a
1: marvel yeah Omega the Unknown Interesting that they took Alpha Flight and how I have been Mm -hmm. Saying this for years When (laughs) Byrne left that book So did the audience I guarantee you that that was a that was that was another missile going uh, going south on you right there. That, that yeah. Alpha Flight, and I know that has a nice big fan base. And where I'm a Canadian boy, I should be loving my Alpha Flight and my puck, but I don't. I can't stand it.
0: <laughs> but but, but know, I do I'll, think even even like the most faithful Alpha Flight fans will will admit that once oh yeah. Burn left, they, it took a turn. Listen, these books were
1: pretty like despite mm-hmm. despite being like super super like stereotypical canadian garbage in those books initially <laughs> up front um you know burns artwork i am there's nobody gonna hear it's me say yeah. yeah it is peak burn man it was amazing yeah. to look at so
0: i'll give For him that sure. now the assistant editor replies by suggesting that after reading the first few hudnell issues which he suggests are already out he says you by now you've already read the first new the first hudnell issues It's like, dude, this is the first one Okay Um, But he says that after reading the first Hudnall issues That Garrett would agree that this book is nowhere near falling apart No,
1: it's basically, it's completely
0: collapsed It's no longer falling apart It is diminished and destroyed It's compost, buddy It's it's (laughs) not good Um, We got a letter from Jefferson in San Diego He appreciated Scaredy Cat's send-off into the great unknown a few issues ago So did we uh, he laments the loss of Peter Gillis to the book. Uh, he feels like Commander Yuri is a better foil for the heroes than Commissioner Gordon ever was for Batman, and Jay Jonah Jameson ever was for Spider-Man.
1: I got a feeling that Yuri is going to be used very inconsistently. I don't even have any hopes we're even going to be seeing any development knows? whatsoever with him moving yeah. on. I just, I just don't think. That, I don't even think they got their eye on the ball when it comes to him.
0: No, and the assistant editor basically disregards everything this guy says and just re- re- reiterates that, hey, the new creative team's great, aren't they? <laughs> yeah,
1: they're, fan- they're fantastic.
0: <laughs> I wish we letter-
1: could have released this podcast back in '88.
0: Oh boy, yeah, we could have uh, we could have went viral on uh, on audio cassette at the uh, at the <laughs> comic cons. Oh man, um, we got a letter from Stu in Philadelphia. He uh, he opines that. Yeah, you know, Aileen, she'll probably live a normal life, because he figures that wild card swiped her death. So all Stu, he uh, he thinks he might be getting a no prize here. He thinks he found a loophole to this prize.
1: Oh, rein it in, Stuart. You can forget any sense of your <laughs> loophole. She did, brother. She did. She did. And which I'm sort of glad about, because I would hate to see her story end in this creative team's hands. Oh, oh my boy, God. Can you
0: imagine? Ugh uh it, it's worth noting i think i think we thought that for a minute too that uh the wild card actually took her death but uh yeah the assistant editor says nope aileen dead so oh, he
1: showed uh, her her death she she knew yeah. what her death was going to be that's all she that's all
0: he that's did, all it man. was yeah yep. now stewart also wonders if aileen's baby will have powers and if there can be new moratorium after dr talima wiped to the database Ah, as for the database, no worries, because it seems like they completely <laughs> forgot
1: about that plot point already in just one issue. So they're already making more moratory. So how did that happen without a database?
0: It wouldn't surprise me if next issue starts with Talima back at the moratory without a mention of anything. Oh <laughs> Who even God. knows? It's oh, unbelievable. Now, the assistant editor hints that we will learn a bit more about the baby soon. And uh, the baby will actually be on the cover of an issue uh, in a few weeks, so i i i'm confident that uh that we will see the baby again now we have a letter from makio in hawaii who is intrigued by the fourth Geners, also known as the monster moratory which you know when we read those issues i don't think we ever actually stopped to consider them an actual generation which i, I kind of dig yeah i actually like this i mean yeah. this would be a
1: they, this should have been a great single issue. This should have been a double size issue, getting to know these recruits. This mm-hmm. would have made an amazing, like, annual. Sure. You know what I mean? To, to get to know these first, you know, the monster recruits and find out their their story before they became monsters. Like, this is how you do a fill-in issue or an annual, man. Yeah. This would have been a great story. Would have loved it.
0: Absolutely. Now, speaking of uh, annuals and extras here, uh, Makio wants a uh, moratory yearbook to come out. Hey. To which it's like, come on, nobody's buying this book as it is. You want to put another one on the shelf? Um, the assistant editor says, nope, ain't no plans for that. So uh, there's that. Oh, well. We got a letter from the Bad Texan from uh, from Parts Unknown, but probably somewhere in Texas. Uh, he lo- he or she loves the book, uh, loves Peter Brent and even Wills. So uh, sorry about your damn luck, pal. Um, <laughs> the assistant editor, he disregards all of this and just talks up the new team He's like yeah Hudnall's great Hugh Thomas awesome Mark Bagley and John calamy Awesome stuff here And oh by the way we really want Letters about them Oh,
1: oh come on Bad yeah. news Friggers <laughs> This new <laughs> Coke sucks and you know it And we want Coke <laughs> Classic back
0: please, please I mean, I mean can you imagine if they were this gung ho About promoting the book and like asking for Engagement before the creators walked off this but was like Mark, an afterthought. Mark Bagley has not even been on the book, and yet they're
1: talking about him being part of the team already.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not even sure he's actually had any pro work done at this point. I think it <laughs> was Morituri's well, first. It's one of his first.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't call what he does in this book pro work. <laughs> it's it's better. It's better than this guy, uh, the, the oh, guy Hugh we have. Thomas, yeah, one. yeah.
0: But uh, who? Yeah, not saying much, unfortunately um finally we have a letter from eric mees also from parts unknown uh eric stopped buying strike force after five issues but he's back now so again sorry about your damn luck pal (laughs) Um, and uh just like uh makio above he wants a moratory yearbook and uh the assistant editor repeats that there ain't no plans for anything of that sort but suggests that folks go back and pick up issue 13 which had that little like you know who's who in the moratory back matter there and uh I mean if you're if you're going to go back if you, if you're going to read any more Tori, definitely go back to around issue 13 don't don't read number 21 oh, go yeah. back in time for sure
1: I mean on the idea of a yearbook I mean I love that idea I'm a GI Joe fan especially mm-hmm. the Marvel series and I mean the yearbooks that they had I had 3 of those things and uh, I love it the yearbook allowed you to catch up quickly you know what I mean it filled in all the storylines throughout the entire year it gave you new new um you know, new stuff that you didn't get in the books. I mean, books like X-Men could have had an amazing yearbook, you know what I mean? Especially with with something, a series so dense as X-Men and so many titles. I mean, a yearbook would have been been just a real deal. And I mean, those G.I. Joe ones were full of like pinups and new profiles and even a new story, which Mm -hmm. normally you could not even do in the the regular books. I mean, I love the idea, but, uh, you know, (laughs) a yearbook is all that the moratorium have. So, you know, it could be a a one and done.
0: <laughs> but yeah, those are uh, those are the letters, and it's just so crazy that we have mm-hmm. this new direction here, and now we're getting letters. Uh, where, where were where were the it, letters for the past twenty months? It's, it's like
1: they were intentionally holding them away from Anderson and Gillis, like they didn't want them to know that anybody was reading this book. It's so weird. It is just keep, so keep working hard, guys. Those letters will come. Keep working hard. <laughs> we we promise.
0: Oh uh, <laughs> man. But now we have bullpen bulletins, and as mentioned before, there were none in this book. Um, but as always, we ain't gonna leave you hanging. So we pulled the bullpen bulletin page from a copy of Alpha Flight number sixty-two, which also had a September nineteen eighty-eight cover date. Uh, you wanna you wanna hit them with the uh, the quote of the month?
1: Sure will. This is from um, well, I won't say who it's from right away. It says, "Let's face it, darling, being a mutant superhero is a tough gig." We got to be at our best even when we're practicing. And that's from Wolf Arim from What the Number Two. Mm-hmm. Wolf Erream.
0: Wolf Yep. With, with with apostrophes.
1: Yes, Ugh. and uh, you know he uh, you know he he teamed up in those books with uh, some superheroes like the
0: Pulverizer and and, and mm-hmm. said, yeah, just fantastic <laughs> stuff. Now we have some news. Now stop us if you heard this one before We have some more editorial musical chairs at Marvel Oh my god Yes, yeah, Bobby Chase, who we will meet in a little bit in our profile Goes from Bob Harris's assistant editor to full-on editor Uh-oh mm-hmm. Terry Cavanaugh goes from Ann Nocenti's assistant to editing Excalibur and Speedball oh man
1: nice knowing you terry good luck on your brother with now you're up there with old man onion there on speedball.
0: <laughs> yikes and we will be meeting terry Kavanaugh in the profile next episode so look forward to that i mean that's uh, that'll that'll get us right on the uh the apple rankings right um uh, now craig anderson no longer reports to bob Budiansky, and he will now edit silver surfer and the conans which oh i wish God. was one title but it's not
1: <laughs> this this inner office like this is literally inner office bullying and it continues every single yeah. issue in these pages, man. I mean, I mean, how many office staff you know find out about you know their moves in these pages? I bet you some did. I bet you they literally had to go Not in and read baby. these news items and they found out where they were going. Oh no, I'm <laughs> back to photo stacking with hammer.
0: <laughs> I'm in office three now. Oh, damn it. Um, <laughs> Now, another news item, the uh, the X-Men animated feature, which we're assuming is Pride of the X-Men, will be screened at some upcoming comic conventions.
1: Yeah, have you ever seen that? Have you ever seen the the pilot? Ages ago. Ages yeah, ago. it's really good. Yeah. So the idea behind it was called Pride of the X-Men, for those who didn't know. It was like one one single episode that, uh, you know, was just a, a trial draft for the like X-Men animated. Yeah. yeah. And it used Kitty Pride as like the, the central, you know, the, the central story. yeah Yeah. point of view character and uh it was was actually pretty good now some of the voices are not the same as they were in the x-men animated series like wolverine and different things but uh overall good episode man i would have i would have definitely hitched my uh trailer to that particular one i guarantee you it was good the the theme
0: song was insane too (laughs) oh yes (laughs) (laughs) we have a new part of the bullpen column here it's called hype line oh and uh uh, we're gonna assume that it's just taking the place of the Mighty Marvel Checklist, so uh, woohoo! Um, uh, next week, the Mar- Mighty Marvel Checklist will be back and Hype Line will be gone. So <laughs> this is a one and done for the for the <laughs> foreseeable future. Um, now, the Hype Line states that the evolutionary war is still going on. And, uh, oh, great! Yeah, uh, this month we have X Factor Annual number three, the Punisher Annual number one, and Silver Surfer Annual number one. And uh we get news that uh, there are some books going bi-weekly over the summer, and those include the Amazing Spider-Man, The Uncanny X-Men, and G i Joe.
1: You know what? I don't recall g i Joe being a bi-weekly book. like I got to actually see if they actually went through with this.
0: I wonder, yeah, because sometimes you hear I mean, I mean, this is a bullpen page. we're the only ones reading this <laughs> us and the <laughs> exactly. and the Marvel editors who still want to find out if they have a job. we're the only ones reading this.
1: Nobody knows this
0: um, no, no. <laughs> Now speaking of bi-weekly, Marvel Comics Presents is about to kick off, and uh, that's going to be a bi-weekly anthology, and it's going to start with Wolverine, Shang-Chi, the Master of Kung Fu, Man-Thing, and Silver Surfer. So basically, if you like Wolverine and can tolerate a bunch of stuff that you really don't care about, that's a book for you.
1: <laughs> I had This is one of my first subscription books, and as I said in the past, I enjoyed it at first, but... <laughs> It just started getting a little bit too obscure I mean some of the backup characters were just Holy cow like super Obscure people that didn't want to read Any of the stories and they would go on For five to six to seven issue arcs. it was brutal It became like the ground floor for like desperate Writers and artists who couldn't land a main book You know what I mean Mm -hmm. so and plus They weren't allowed to interfere with continuity So you know unless You were the main Wolverine weapon X story Really a lot of this stuff was
0: Meaningless no, because I, I I remember uh, we were researching Scott Lobdell, who uh, got into Marvel through Marvel Comics Presents, and uh, he had to uh, he had to pitch to Defalco, and he decided to pitch on for pitch with a uh, what was it like the Village of Superheroes or something from the Contest of Champions, like like the uh, the the Shamrock oh, yeah. and like the like the European Union heroes basically, and uh, because those were the only ones that that wouldn't have to go through like five editors. It's like, you, you can't say I want to write a Wolverine story. It's like, well, you got to talk to hammer. You got to talk to ham as assistant editor. You got to talk to ham editor. You need to talk to the chief. It's like, okay, how about I write a shamrock story? It's like, who's shamrock? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, do
1: exactly. No, so I want to be that character in the fifth panel of eternals. Number three.
0: Yes, I, the I want to, I want to do pip the troll. Yeah, go ahead.
1: Uh, I would like to be that guy like behind that brick wall here in strike force moratorium. Yes, the 20 dude,
0: point. the odler. <laughs> i i hope i hope he's a moratory maybe he'll get the (laughs) he'll get the shot pretty soon oh boy but uh the hype line is over and we go right into our profile and this is bobby chase and uh now she's got two gigs because she was an assistant editor but is now a brand spanking new full-on editor but we'll go through the entire deal here her gig is assistant editor on secret wars quest probe Fantastic 4, Captain America, ThunderCats, Transformers, G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe Special Missions, Tales of G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe Comics Magazine, G.I. Joe Yearbook, Incredible Hulk and X-Factor. Holy crap. Like mm-hmm. I, I,
1: you call me officially impressed sir. I bought every single one of those issues, man. Every one yeah. of those titles. I had a, I bought them all. So yeah, hey, me and Bobby you Chase had some stuff going on back then. You have any good memories of Quest Probe? <laughs> so quest probe for folks who don't know was wasn't it a it was a computer was a game. game tie-in it was a computer yeah. game
0: that's correct and yeah. like the last issue or the last two issues was can't were canceled i believe
1: yep that's right yeah. they didn't finish they didn't well they, i think they sort of did wrap it up did they not didn't they have like I a don't very stiff
0: conclusion they might have but i know that there was at least an issue that they had planned and solicited that never came out
1: i really really dug the ad for it so it had like oh, the yeah. incredible hulk like putting his hand out trying to grab like some sort of probe like or orb, jewel or yeah. something yeah it was, it was pretty cool but you know as a kid i i ate that stuff up i was like yeah quest pro man come mm-hmm. on it didn't mean <laughs> anything but anyway
0: no it sure didn't and it, i that i'm pretty sure it didn't uh well <laughs> it probably wasn't even in continuity for all <laughs> i can remember but, uh, you know, we said it last week when someone named, like, 85 Conan books they're on. So, Bobby, you know, we, we love you, but you could just say all the G.I. Joes, right? Well, um,
1: she sort of does.
0: Well, she will next because uh, yep. she is the editor on all the G.I. Joes. She actually just says all the G.I. Joes. Incredible she Hulk. Heard she heard <laughs> she you, Chris. Did. She did. Steeltown Rockers and Unth Man. Uh, what is up with Steel Town Rockers? Like, how many people
1: worked on this? This seems to pop up in every single one. I mean, awesome honestly, it? did you read it? Did you read Steel Town uh, Rockers?
0: You know I have it, <laughs> but no, I didn't <laughs> it. Me too. I have issue one. It reminds me of like, if you ever you remember like watching like stand up comedy back in like the late '80s and like they'd always introduce them as like, it's like, yeah, this one's from Shakes the Clown. Yes. Like everybody was in Shakes the Clown, and I yeah, never exactly. saw Shakes the Clown. But that's what Steel Town Rockers is in these editorial things. It's like, oh yeah, I had a piece of that. It's like.
1: It's like everybody wanted to be on this book And it just became a train wreck I don't know
0: I couldn't tell you one thing about it
1: Now speaking of books Listen mm. Someone slapped Larry Hammond in the ass over there in photostatting Because uh, he did some great work on Inth Man mm. The Ultimate Ninja. Ninja Now I proudly own every issue of this bad boy I loved mm. it I loved it I thought it would have sort of like a it was disconnected from you know marvel proper so i thought it always had like a new universe vibe but you know okay. actually something that was good but you know it was one of harry larry Hema's books and it it yep. only lasted 16 issues i think total yeah, and it but was renamed he, like 3 times yeah, oh boy was it ever yeah. <laughs> wasn't it the ultimate what was it, it what was it, it renamed was,
0: it was nth man the ultimate ninja then it was just yep. nth man then it was like yep. nth beyond world war 3 or something like that oh my god
1: the art, yeah. the art was decent, too. It featured, oh, yeah. like, you know, Ron Wagner. He did some G.I. Joe and Batman. Now, not not Batman proper. Now, Legends of the Dark Knight, but, you know, mm-hmm. still Batman. It's funny you don't even see Nth Man anymore. Like, where's he in 2020? Were I wonder. they I mean, we're literally recycling every property, and Nth Man, you know, he deserves a shot, man. Bring him back. The ultimate sure. ninja. <laughs> and one one uh, common thread here is that Ant Man actually first debuted in Marvel Comics Presents number 25. How about that? look at that synergy look at that
0: that? everything everything comes together
1: (laughs) and now this book got obviously canceled with issue 16 it didn't even get through a two-year run but yeah hammer actually got to write a last issue but you know he time jumped in the last issue in issue 16 he jumps one year but he actually wraps it up so at least it had this book had a conclusion so it's got a beginning middle and end so
0: pretty cool hey they don't always get that and nope. uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking here to see if he ever came back, and uh, it doesn't look like he did. Um, he was in Excalibur number twenty-seven, so he right. got that going for him. But yeah, there's a <laughs> yeah that that was that was ages ago as well. That was what the late that was nineteen ninety. So yeah, he's yeah. And I think they just like visited a parallel dimension there in that book. I think mu- yeah, it must have been like cross time or something. Yeah, but uh, very very weird. Yeah, <laughs> now back to bobby her past freelance credits include star brand annual number one uh, i even had that uh, she this girl was stalking me brother that's what's I think happening you're right i think you're right now uh her current freelance credits uh, she doesn't have any but she's got some stuff in the works now her hobbies include making fun of politicians eating weird food working at marvel that's a hobby Oh wow, how to keep
1: your job one oh one. This ain't it. <laughs> I think Bobby here is giving like zero F's on this whole profile here. I don't know. He
0: fits in fine with the rest of the profile, is Except for uh who was who was uh oh boy, the editor on Spider Man. Um Oh man, what the hell was his name a couple of weeks ago? There was that one dude who got like, who had like who actually like cared about the profile. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah.
1: Oh my goodness. We should don't know remember
0: this. his name. Yeah, I was going to say Budiansky, but it wasn't Budiansky. Um, now, back to her hobbies. They include uh, crossword puzzles, seeing plays, playing the piano, gardening, drawing, and dancing. And she comments that she feels like she's filling out a personals ad. And, uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe she sort of kind of is. Maybe she she left out piña coladas and getting caught in the rain. So I guess it's not full on. Um, I love it. Now her she, the work she is most proud of is that she designed a set for a college play, and that was that play was Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Are Dead. Have you ever heard or seen that? Nada. But listen, no, she I've designed it. she designed and wrote the whole thing, so that says something for her. Yeah, there you go. Now her pet peeves include. Ronald Reagan, so she's Ooh. she's pretty etchy. Um TV, ev- yeah, TV evangelists, the moral majority And quote, other fascist organizations Which <laughs> makes you wonder if she can define the word if asked um, Comic book intellectuals, controversial TV talk show hosts Oh boy, we hey, got uh, us hey, a- uh, Mr. Downey, Mr. Downey <laughs> <laughs> Good old Morton
1: Downey, he'll blow some smoke at him mm-hmm. Don't go blowing smoke in my face, Mr. Downey <laughs> WrestleMania 5 baby him and Piper loved it mm-hmm. uh, We got Seems like she's a bit of a radical I mean I'm surprised yeah. Some of this saw print because I mean You know after this profile <laughs> she probably ended up On some registry <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: no. no She is Uh, and she, she, like, like we mentioned here, she has a problem with Comic book intellectuals but where she was born Was somewhere quote destined to be Consecrated and uh, oh. That means declared sacred for all The non comics intellectuals out there thank listening. you for the clarification sir yeah we, we, we need to we need to be helpful um her greatest accomplishment outside comics is a play she directed in college or her rose garden so she's got well, two well unlike
1: a lot of these profilers at least this girl got something going on in her life besides yeah. comic I mean she gardens
0: and directs plays so and mm-hmm. she ain't half bad she got a real life she does indeed. Now her oddest habits are reading seed plant catalogs in January. I gotta wonder if those are, are if those are issues of grit. Um, <laughs> I bet you she sold grit. I bet you she got she did. to yeah. uh, Or at least bought it. Um, now she decorates <laughs> her Christmas tree with GI Joes, and also Ooh. she she dates a Republican. Oh, marry me, Bobby. Mm. Oh my God, dear, decorates her trees with GI Joes. Think about mm. that. Mm. That'd be amazing. I know I had a lot of uh, GI Joe battles in a Christmas tree uh, back when I was a kid. You know, <laughs> um, that was that made that made for a good. Uh, I had a lot of Star Wars battles there too. It was a pretty good indoor uh, set. You know, yes, you know,
1: the sir. Tree. The tree of death. Indoor mm-hmm. tree of death. <laughs>
0: now, who would play Bobby Chase in a movie? Uh, Meryl Streep. So maybe it's Ironweed too. Electric <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's about time I'll give her this. That someone actually picked a mainstream actress for once. You know yeah. what I mean. <laughs> There's something to be said for taste, and I mean, who would play the play? You know, an actress these days, Margot Robbie or Kristen Stewart? I mean, come on, seriously.
0: <laughs> oh man, I'm so glad we don't have the profiles these days. Oh, <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> no, I can't.
1: I, I think The Rock would play me. The Rock, the Rock would oh, definitely be me.
0: for sure, for sure. If, if only he got a little bit bigger. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, uh, why did Bobby pick comics? Well, she picked comics because there was no room at the inn. Oh and, uh, yeah, that, that's a that's a that's a Bible reference for all the non-comics intellectuals listening.
1: Ooh, something tells me Bobby is not the one stealing
0: Bibles from the hotel rooms by that
1: by those words, brother. <laughs>
0: Probably not. Yikes. Now people in high school thought it doesn't matter what the people in high school thought.
1: Ah, like Bobby. She's decorating her tree with G.I. Joe's, now creating the rock's catchphrase all in one profile. You gotta dig that, brother. We all love Bobby. Does everybody love Bobby? <laughs> Um no. <laughs> <Not> Bobby's <laughs> world. I, I don't like Bobby's world. You don't like Howie Mandel, I remember. I that. do not like Howie Mandel, no. He <laughs> He's creeps me out.
0: Creepy fellow.
1: I'm uh, talking about him. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> Bobby's favorite performers include James Taylor, Howard Jones, Annie Lennox, Arthur Rubenstein, James Galloway, Edgar Bergen, Billy Holiday, Carrie Grant, and the Flying Willendas. That's
1: some classic taste palette she's got there. Of course she's uh with that list of uh, of records, uh, she's clearly single. <laughs> yeah. What does a flying Will Linda do besides – what do
0: they do? Is that a circus
1: act? I don't know. I think the, – were they pro wrestlers back in the day? No, they were the I kangaroos. didn't even know Never they were mind.
0: real. I didn't even know yeah. Are they <laughs> – they might be kangaroos. Um, now, the last good book she didn't read was A Severed Head by Iris Murdoch. And she's back in the registry just like that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well done. Now,
0: now, we have some uh, some a little bit of creative uh, license here on our next question here. usually is the last good movie you saw. That's not the question here. We instead have some of her favorite movies.
1: There you go. And, That's uh, much better.
0: Yes, and that includes Midnight and Hope and Glory. I have not heard nor seen I've any seen Hope
1: and, I've seen Hope and Glory. It's okay.
0: Okay, okay. Now, her biggest influences are uh, the mad, bad, and dangerous to know Byron uh that I, first time i heard that was uh god it was like the third or fourth episode of beverly hills 90210 where they where they introduced dylan he's mad and, bad and
1: dangerous to know
0: yeah because uh because like brandon gets into his uh his convertible and he sees a byron book on the on the uh passenger seat and he's like you you read byron and dylan goes mad bad and dangerous to know that was him <laughs> and that's me <laughs> so I'd i it, i use that line as often as i possibly can <laughs> uh more influences include gustav mahler richard wagner or wagner sylvia plath eugene o'neill dory previn thomas haughty john steinbeck gregory wright and edgar Allan poe Ooh. i wonder if gregory wright is the marvel colorist maybe <laughs> i don't know who knows Ah, uh, greatest! We, we could have used them on this book. Go ahead. Be, oh, damn sure could! I mean, poor, poor Max Shear and uh, and oh. Phil Felix.
1: The, listen, over. Phil, Phil Felix and Max Shear must have looked at this work after they had it passed
0: to him and was like, oh, "What the unholy
1: out. is this?"
0: Man, can you imagine getting pages from Brent Anderson and then getting this? Oy. Oh
1: my God! Someone they they must have thought they were getting They're pranked for yeah. waiting for, yeah. for Ash and to jump out of a side
0: corner or something. <laughs>
1: you punk, you're punk, this is crap, we
0: know. <laughs> Marvel editors call him three weeks later saying, hey, where are those pages we need a letter? It's like, well, are you going to send the real ones? No, no, those are the real ones. Uh, Bobby's greatest unfulfilled ambition is to get a cost of living raise. I mean, she just got a promotion.
1: So. Ooh, look at you.
0: Yeah, her worst part of the job is switching offices every three months. <laughs> Holy shit. Shots fired, shots fired, sir. Yep. Wow. He was the Falcon every month it's like yeah well these people changed offices so uh now when nobody's yeah, bobby, looking bobby didn't care man she don't care man does not care at all uh when nobody's looking she sings the blues i don't know if that's literal or if she just feels sorry for herself um one thing that people need to know is that she is saving her 15 minutes of fame for 1990. so uh i don't know what she did in 1990 but uh Maybe we, we, we could research and see what, what she did in 1990. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we also end with a new question. Now, this is a question that she has for comics readers, which is, do you really want to know these things about me? To which I can answer, no. <laughs> no, no, I Bobby, really did we're, we're no, good. Dear. We're, Thank we're you. just trying we're trying to flesh out a program here. That's,
1: that's about <laughs> it, Bobby. Sorry. Thank you. You oh, filled a half hour for us, Bobby. It was great. It did.
0: It did. It was wonderful. Um no mighty Marvel checklist the checklist again, but we will have it next time. Um and the ads, I mean this is uh this has been a direct market book for a little while now, but at this point, like we said, the format's changed. Um oh. There are we're not going to be getting we're not going to be getting fun ads from this point on. We're not going to be getting like the bonkers candy ad. We're not going to be getting gumdinger land. Um, This is all Marvel House ads, because I'm guessing that this and this is just postulating. I have absolutely no data to back this up, but I'm guessing that this book was selling so crappily that nobody would want to advertise in it because who's going to see it? You know, why would you waste your advertising money in a book that that you and me are reading? That's it. Did,
1: did they go like that? Did they go by book? Like I want my
0: ad in a Spider-Man book, or did they just spread it I out? I wonder like, if there are. I wonder if there's like pricing tiers for distribution levels. Oh yeah, because, definitely. Uh, there, there had to be. Yeah, because I'm looking. Because when I flipped through that issue of Alpha Flight to get this bullpen page, it's the same story. There's no. It's all Marvel house ads. Uh, it's there's no um, outside ads. There's no you know no Tang. No not even those pages that are full of the uh, you know the little gimme ads where like you can learn you get the X-ray glasses and you can learn psychic phenomena and all that kind of stuff. It, it's just we have three Marvel House ads in this book and that's it. Weird. Yeah. And uh, since we talked about one last week with the evolutionary war, we only have two. <laughs> so um, the first one is the new what the uh, what the hyphen hyphen uh, question mark exclamation point comic book
1: yeah this i mean what the basically if you're if you're familiar with marvel back in the day they used to love parroting themselves i mean they mm-hmm. had fred hembeck literally you know do their entire universe up and down yep. and up and down like a yo-yo and this is their attempt you know they had a book called what if so you know it's what the so of course you had like little comedy Type sketches that's inside these books They're making fun of everything from editorial To the characters to the over-the-top Antics and they're, they're just picking fun You know at the comics industry in general And uh, I think This was only originally slated for four issues But didn't it last like 20 plus issues I can't remember I how feel long like it went it did. Out.
0: I feel like but, it did I don't know if it was a regular Thing I don't know if it came out every single Month but I do remember seeing What does into the 90s Because it says here that it's originally it's a, It's another limited series
1: and it actually looks like it's slated for four issues. But... Oh, I wonder if there are multiple volumes, perhaps. Um, Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. possibly. But one of the cool things that they did do, I mean, they had characters similar to Wolverine. I mean, you know, obviously Wolverine. <laughs> they had the Punisher ripoff, which was the Pulverizer. And, I mean, that was basically a cartoon Punisher completely, completely full of... You know loaded to the gills with guns And blowing holes and everything And all the people that's in the book But one thing they did do super well And I, I want you to grab issue number one Of what the if you do have a copy of it Because they have amazing parody ads they So everybody do. remembers the Charles Atlas ad Okay
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean the wonderful wonderful Charles Atlas ad I mean the one where you know They get sand the insult kicked in the and made the
0: man out of Mac
1: Yeah. Oh my god So in this particular one they actually do one with Iron Man. Now that you know, which was one of the better things that I've ever seen. I'll just run through the uh, through the mm-hmm. ad with you just in a second here. Just gotta find it. So basically, what happens here? So you get you get Mackey's on the beach again, and you know you see the guy running past him. and uh, you know his girlfriend is just sitting there in her little black bikini, and the, and the big guy comes down and he muscles him up, and he goes, "Listen here, you know." He's going to smack him around. You know, he's going to hit him in the face. And he bullies him. Anyway, Mac is left pondering, you know, what he's going to do. And his girlfriend is just, you know, she's, you know, basically lost faith in him. And he goes home and he kicks over a stool and he kicks over the cat. And he freaks <laughs> out. But this time, he gets himself an Iron Man set of armor. So he literally puts on Iron Man armor. Now, he mm-hmm. goes back to the beach. And he literally vaporizes, <laughs> vaporizes <laughs> the bully with repulsor rays. And he becomes the hero of the beach. But I mean, this is so well done. I mean, it's exactly exactly how it is. Oh, yeah. in the book. I mean, just just super well done. I, I thought it was a great parody ad.
0: What I do you think? If, uh, I wonder if the Charles Atlas people sued Marvel for it. <laughs> oh, listen, <laughs> like I'm they sure did they the poor Flex for Mentalo. <laughs> <laughs> did that happen? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Because Flex Mentalo's, uh over the over at the Doom Patrol. His his origin is the Charles Atlas ad, and. Uh, it was very, very well done, and like he had like the hero halo, which was the hero of the beach like thing in the background, you know. And every time he would flex, you know, stuff would happen. And a uh, a fan of uh, the Morrison Doom Patrol uh, showed it or got a hold of the Atlas people and was like, "Hey, check out this cool thing that they're doing with this story." And Atlas is like, "Oh, very cool. We're suing them." <laughs> so, oh. uh, so for the longest time. You couldn't get the because uh, Flex Mentalo broke off into a four-issue Vertigo miniseries, and for like 15 years you couldn't get it, you know, because they would never reprint it because of the because uh, of the litigation, and uh, and finally you know they, they they did get over it, but it was uh it was a long time before you were able to see Flex Mentalo show up again, it was uh it was really too bad, but uh, a lo- a very fun story and uh, a very Clever use of a vintage comic book ad, uh, much like much like this one right here.
1: It even has a little cutout clipping where you can send away oh, to actually send get away. Yep. Yeah, it says, "Yes, I'm tired of being a gutless wimp. Make me a cool guy." And then you had to put your name, address, then you had to put your annual income. Yep. <laughs> Then you had to mail it to Iron Man, care of Tony Stork, which is a secret identity, of course, to Stork Industries over in Hoboken, New Jersey. And basically, they had like a message to all you scrubs. And it goes, hey, all you 96-pound uh, scrubs out there, are you tired of being pushed around? I know how you feel. You see, I used to be a 98-pound scrub. In fact, I still am. But when I climb into my suit of invincible power armor, I'm the toughest guy around how would you like this to uh what is it rend steel like cheap toilet (laughs) paper (laughs) fly through the air at dizzying speeds or reduce the local bully to a fine red mist using your repulsor rays you'll love it oh man so so good oh it's
0: great oh it's very very cool stuff
1: (laughs) now also 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 in the book they had a uh one of the other stories they didn't only have you know the the pulverizer, which was the Punisher. They had a power pack and cloak and dagger knockoff. Now they were called the bower Brats, and they mm-hmm. had a little story where they met cloak and Daginabrit.
0: Oh, it was a clunk and clunk. Dagnabbit.
1: Oh, Dagnabbit! Oh, yep. Oh yeah, I couldn't see because the character is right over He's his blocking head, blocking it. Yeah, clunk He's and blocking. Dagnabbit. <laughs> I mean, they, this is some poorly drawn stuff. It's just parody stuff, but I thought it was yeah. pretty funny at the time. They have an amazing one, and if anyone has seen like some of the older Silver Age books, you'll notice there's a guy. Uh, you know, one of the famous ones was a guy trying to be sell art tips, like you know, learn how to draw comics and all that type of stuff in yep. art. So this one they got <laughs> they got that same ad redone with like a Porky Pig style character, and it's and it says he's looking for gullible people with lots of money. Yeah.
0: They're really upfront about the ripoff. It's great.
1: <laughs> and it's called the uh, the famous Inker School, in New York, New York, W-Y-A-W-K. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. Yep. But, uh, yeah, that was a fantastic one. But one of the funniest things in this, and we'll end on this one, is a profile. So yep. they actually profile someone we don't even know. It's called mm-hmm. Harry Burnmont. Now, I don't know. Uh, that sounds like a shot at Chris, Car- Chris Claremont and... Who else? John Byrne, John maybe? John
0: Byrne or Harris Harry? I don't know. It's like a mixture of like I think it's a mixture of just a bunch of different creators here. It's uh it's very interesting. <laughs> it people. was pretty cool. Apparently and, he and, was. Well, go ahead. Because I mean, you can't even. Because I mean, the guy's got like green skin. He's got tiny glasses. It's so it really isn't evocative of anybody in particular. But uh, but I mean, we. You know have, they're
1: like, taking a shot at somebody. You know they, they have gotta it. be. They gotta be. Yeah.
0: So apparently, Mister
1: Harry Burnmont was uh, the penciler on the Inedible Bulk, Mm -hmm. the Mighty Snore, which is should be the real title of that particular comic. (laughs) 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 And real romance murder stories. So yeah, there you go. Yep. Now his collection. Guess what his hobbies are? Hmm. Collecting (laughs) earwax of TV stars and foreign dignitaries,
0: which is also cool.
1: His single work, which he's most proud of, is The Mona Lisa, which he painted while he was living in Italy in the 1500s. Or was it the 1600s? He's just confused. You know, he did The Mona Lisa. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. All the years went together. His pet peeves are when his neighbors gang up on me and make me take baths. (laughs) (laughs) Could this this be The Onion Man? (laughs) (laughs) This is Steve Ditko. He did did work on this particular book. So maybe, uh, you know, maybe this was directed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> his oddest habit was being censored by the order of the department of health so you know obviously like that but if they were making a movie of his life he who guess who he'd like to see play him hmm chevy chase it's don johnson baby of miami oh, vice okay. of white blazer i wore a white blazer to my uh, grade eight graduation i'll have you know <laughs> didn't land any ladies of course even with my pink shirt underneath it didn't work damn you don johnson did you do at least roll up the sleeves on your blazer? I I did it all, brother. Hell I yeah. I I did up the hell yeah. You know what? I I groomed that mullet right back. I had that laid out. I was man. I was Don Friggin Johnson with like thirty pounds of bottle glasses.
0: Did you use a sharpie to draw on some stubble? <laughs> I didn't. I I I couldn't grow the stubble, man. It was embarrassing. It's all you needed. You needed the sharpie to, to get that stubble in there.
1: One one girl, uh, God bless her. Her name was Tammy Parsons. She actually uh, took mercy on me and, and 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 danced with me. So thank you, Tammy. <laughs> thank you, Tammy. <laughs> yeah, that was it. So there you go. Anyway, people in high school knew who uh, thought I was. Nobody in high school knew who he was. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah. His <laughs> favorite performers are Banana Rama. I don't know why that's that's funny, but it it just is, I guess.
0: Now, is, Bananarama, Banana Rama is that? That's not Belinda Carlisle, right? Is that the Go-Go's? That's the Go-Go's. Okay, because I know one of those bands, every time I hear them on the radio, all I can picture are the Chipettes. (laughs) You know, it's like every time I hear them, it's like, ah, I can hear the Chipettes singing this song. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. Listen, Mm -hmm. all
1: those things, we got the beat and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. The Chipettes used to play all that. I was a huge Elvin and Chipmunks fan back in the day. I loved that stuff. Absolutely. uh, uh, Last good movie I saw, the movie where the Bee Gees played the Beatles. I don't know what that was, but that's hilarious. Can you Um, imagine Andy, Andy Gibb playing Paul McCartney? It's all googly woogly and flippy dingle, staying alive, baby. Uh, Who's biggest eat in the
0: pizza backwards,
1: though? <laughs> That's right. Who knows? Ringo Starr. The biggest influence on his work is Mr. Potato Head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I find that funny, but uh, I, I, apparently I have issues. Uh, my greatest unfulfilled ambition in the comics field, now this may shed some light, was to marry the transparent girl from Fantastic Four. Now, if you're reading this, Susie, please give me a call. I'm waiting. <laughs> hmm. And the worst part of his job is peeling off my clothes when I change them every week. Oh, That's
0: got to be directed at somebody.
1: <laughs> this is definitely, definitely pinpointed. I, I, it, this has got to be Ditko, man. I, just, oh, I, I, I don't know what else to say. When no one's looking, he goes, eh, you don't want to know. Ooh. Yep. And finally... When we end on the one thing I really want the world to know about me is how much I love or how much I admire Lonnie Gordon, the lady across the street with her blinds up. <laughs> well done. Well Harry. done, Harry, Harry Burnmont. But anyway, mm-hmm. that is What The? And of course, we already covered some uh, Marvel Comics Presents. And uh, yeah.
0: but what the, we, There was one panel in What The? That actually made reference to the book that yes. we cover here. And uh, it says Strike Force Mozzarella. <laughs> Strike Force Mozzarella, where are you? Something like that. It's like, that might be the most promotion Strike Force Moratorium ever got. It, it was literally featured in one panel in another book. It's literally
1: the only panel that ever crossed ever over with any it. other
0: book. Yeah. What yeah, the so, number one? Yeah, so it's Strike Force Mozzarella, where are you? Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. But yeah, like you mentioned, That's cheesy. Oh, yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, we have talked about Marvel Comics Presents before, we have talked about the Evolutionary War before, and those are the only ads in this sucker. So, I think that's pretty much all we've got. That is Strike Force Moratori warts, warts, warts and all. File awards, file
1: awards, in need of ointment. Uh, uh,
0: from cover to cover. And, uh, yeah, how about we uh, we move right into the, uh, to the plug-in?
1: Yes, sir. Well, you can find me, uh, Charlton, at, uh, on the Twitter at Charlton underscore hero. Uh, we're going to be covering, it just as soon as I jump off this particular podcast, wait a second, this is Monday, so it can't be on, uh, but I'll be watching a replay of uh, NXT in your house, and we'll be covering that with Mr. Mark Radlich on Tuesday.
0: How about that? Mm-hmm we will indeed we will indeed um you can find uh me at uh, ace comics on twitter also uh chris is on infinite Earths.com. i'm trying to kind of pull everything under one umbrella right now trying to uh what the opposite of diversify <laughs> you know uh, i'm trying to pull all the stuff from the channel into one place so it's easier for people to find it it's easier for me to share it it's easier for me to keep track of it and uh, it's easier for me to share it to uh, to folks as well um so Chris is on infinite Earths, where you'll find all the stuff uh, also chris and reggie dot podbean dot com iTunes stitcher all the places you hear noise um, we don't ever ask for things like iTunes uh, reviews or anything but hey you know why not <laughs> um, yeah if uh, if you guys uh, like what you hear and uh, want to hear more you know maybe maybe leave a review maybe let us know or just reach out and, and Absolutely, um, but I, th- I think that's all we've got for them this time. Uh, we hope it wasn't too much of a downer. We tried to put as positive a spin on this as possible. Um, next week we have John Callamy in the artist chair, and it is—I'll say it's an improvement. Oh, yay! All right. But, what happened uh, to Mister I mean,
1: Hugh already? Is he—is he cast away already?
0: You know, I think this is his only appearance. Oh. Uh, which you know for better or for worse thank uh, God <laughs> it's true but uh Calum's work is better um, I, we're probably still gonna be kind of down on it but uh, it is better <laughs> than Hugh Thomas um, but it's all in good fun we uh, we hope you all sticking with us throughout this change of creative team and uh, we'd love to hear what you guys think of this uh, this shock to the system uh, that is the new direction the new art the new writing um so reach out uh weird comics history at gmail.com ace comics and charlton underscore hero on twitter we'd love to hear from you we'd love to know that you're out there so uh i think that's all we've got unless you've got anything else for the folks
1: i don't have anything else that don't have to be uh cured with ointment sir
0: very good very good uh so uh (laughs) that's all we'll take up from you this week uh and uh, we will talk to you again real soon See ya.